set aside prayer. God, please set aside everything I think I know about you, God, the steps, recovery, the big book, what's best for me, what's best for others. Especially help me let go of all my old ideas so I can live on your truth. Heavenly Father, to you goes all the glory. Help us to carry your message tonight, today. Excuse me, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we, uh, we finished more about alcoholism. And um, and um, the last paragraph about, um, on page 43, uh, the whole book has 43 pages of doctor's opinion for the reader to understand or experience or really know in your innermost selves that at certain times you don't have any defense against the first drink. Now, if you think you do, then you're, you're, you're never going to do the steps. And I was thinking about it. It says his defense must come from a higher power. And it's, it doesn't say the drinking alcoholic or the new alcoholic. It says the alcoholic, that's me, today. That I may not have a time today separated from God where I will decide that drinking is a bad idea. I hope not. I've prayed and I'm seeking God. But here's what I got, I was thinking about. His defense must come from a higher power. And my defense against what? not just the first drink, but against my character defects. I, I was thinking about that. We all want to live better and do better and be better, right? But I have no defense against my self-centeredness. What I have is an awareness from working the steps when I am self-centered. And then I can ask God to change me. I can't stop being impatient. I have a little, it's just, but I don't have to be impatient. Does that make sense? And so I can be differently. I can do differently. And I couldn't do that before I came in here. That was my problem because I was being, well, we won't use the word, and doing it. And that caused me conflict with everybody and everything, and I didn't like it. And I had learned early on that things like alcohol could change the way I felt. And it was an escape from me. I thought it was an escape from them. Anybody think that? No, from me. So now we're getting ready for my favorite chapter. Before the next favorite chapter, we agnostics. And a lot of people don't read this because they don't think they're agnostic or they don't understand it. it. It really means those without knowledge of God. And I really think it means that we're not living on a spiritual basis and we're not letting God direct our lives. So we don't know, we don't know God because we've never allowed him to work. We can go to church, we can go to mass, we can pray, but we're never allowed God to work in our lives because we haven't destroyed our self-centeredness. And so that's, that's how Joe and Charlie explain it. And I'm a hopeless alcoholic one who cannot recover without God. But it's seemingly hopeless because these steps will bring me into a relationship with God and I won't be agnostic anymore. It doesn't mean I become perfect. 
It just means that I know that if I have a fear and I pray to God to remove the fear and direct my attention to how it shall be, it, it will go away. And if it doesn't, I have to do it again. And I have a God box that if something's really bothering me, I can put it in the God box. If it continues to bother me, I put it in again. I get tired of doing it. It's the principle. God's in charge. I just need to do His will. And so they're going to talk about to people who've never let God direct their lives. And there's, there's two parts to the book. The book up to page 45 is really talks about not drinking book, obsession of the mind, allergy of the body. And they're going to cover in one, two, three, four, five paragraphs how we're screwed. And then on page 45 starts the God book. And there's really no more talking about drinking after this. The only thing they talk about alcohol is that we have a defense against it. In page 85 they mention it. But there's, there's two books. And so I heard one person say that a lot of people read this as the non-drinking book. But there are other people who read this book as the God book. And he says, the people who read this as the God book never go back to the not drinking book. But some of the people in the not drinking book will go to the God book. And I thought that made a lot of sense. So it says, in the preceding chapters, we have learned something of alcoholism. We hope, that that's their hope, we have made clear the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. If, when you honestly want to, you find cannot quit entirely. Anybody have that problem? Anybody, somebody might have it today. I hope not. But you see, we cannot quit entirely. Not quit for a week. Entirely. Or if, when drinking, you have little control over the amount you take. Does anybody have that problem? Well, if you have that problem, I suggest you quit entirely. <laughs> you get it? You are probably alcoholic. Because remember, the solution to our problem of alcohol is to not drink it. But that won't solve my spiritual illness. And that's why just coming to AA and going to meetings and not drinking for a while is good. But sober is when the disease hits you. Sober is when you feel the emotions of the spiritual illness. And then you don't feel good. You say, wow, I haven't drank for two months. And look at all this. They're still treating me bad and blah, blah, blah. You know it. If that be the case, now here's a key line. So if you're a real alcoholic, you may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. So, so you can say, and not a spiritual belief, but an experience of God. Now, if you're an alcoholic, you have to decide which pharmacy you want to go to to get the right medicine. And you can go to a self-help pharmacy, right? You can read self-help books. You can get smart. You can go to a lot of therapy and understand the inner workings of your mind. I'm not saying that's bad. But the pharmacy that has the medicine is the God pharmacy. And we have to go to the right pharmacy to get the right medicine. And if I gave the patients the wrong medicine, they didn't get better. And, and sometimes in the cancer business, you give the best medicine you can, they still don't get better. But if, if, it's, but I, I, if I'm going to conquer this with a spiritual experience, 
I need a way to get that experience, and that's what the book is about. So the book is the, is the Walgreens to get the medicine in Walgreens, which is God. I never said that before. I hope it made sense. If I didn't, don't, don't, don't send me a letter. To one who feels he is an atheist or agnostic, such an experience seems impossible. But we're really all very, I think there are very few atheists. They don't make sense when you talk to them. But there were a lot of agnostics. But continue as he is means disaster. Anybody agree with that? Especially if he's the alcoholic of the hopeless variety. And for atheists and agnostics, or let's say uh, human beings who don't have a spiritual experience, how are their lives? See, they're, they're full of fear and anger. You just watch the news. Watch how people interact with you. People who aren't living a spiritual life, they, they're not easy to get along with. And, but if you're an alcoholic of the hopeless variety, it's, it's bad. So if you're an alcoholic of the hopeless variety, you have the choice, it says. To be doomed to an alcoholic death, how does that sound? Is that good? Anybody want that? Or to live on a spiritual basis. Well, of course you choose spiritual basis, right? Right? Yeah. But here's what they say. It's not always easy alternatives to face. Now, that's crazy. You're dying of alcoholism. You come here. We tell you about the book and the steps. And then they don't want to do it. So what they're saying is you could be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis, but it's not easy alternatives to face. I can't see them. I'm doomed, but I don't want to live on a spiritual life. Why? Because I really can't see that there are only two choices. I want the third door. And the third door usually involves some plan in my head. And remember, you're dying from your head. And so it, we read that there are those who cannot and will not give themselves completely to the simple program. Have you ever heard that? Those people who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. And I heard that for years. I said, wow, what is that all about? But what it's all about is I'm constitutionally incapable of seeing that there are only two doors. And I'm either going to go to an alcoholic death and disaster or live a spiritual life. And some people can see it for a while, and they give themselves to this, and then they say, well, maybe there's a third door, or maybe I was taking too much of this. But to really give yourself 100% to seeing the truth is the deal. And that's really what the first step is all about. And then you have to keep your first step at 100%. You don't want to go be an 80% first stepper. Then you only have 80% powerless over alcohol. You can run 20%. You can run your life. That's no good. So I, I, I saw that it took me years to face is the key. And, can, and how, do you, how do you keep that alive? You go to meetings, and you say you're an alcoholic. And you, you talk to other alcoholics, and you stay connected. That's where the fellowship has a lot of power, because it reminds you that you're an alcoholic. And that you need help, and it can't be you. So they're, they're sure that alcoholics 
might not completely understand that, so read the next paragraph. But it isn't so difficult. About half our original fellowship were the exact type. I think it was 100%. Remember, Dr. Bob studied scripture, could recite the Bible, and then drank because he didn't, he didn't fully understand his first step. He couldn't face it. And once he, took, he talked to Bill W. and understood his obsession of the mind and his allergy of the body, <coughs> then he was able to be free of some of the shame and guilt of being a smart Christian and drinking every night. You get it? And he realized that he had a disease and he was powerless over it and then he could, he could see things differently. So it says, hoping, we want to avoid the issue, hoping against hope that we're not true alcoholics. But after a while, it could be quite a while in some people, a short time, we had to face, here's the word face again, you have to see it. The fact, we must find the spiritual basis of life or else. So the, these two paragraphs tie together. Alcoholic death live on a spiritual basis. We have to face it. We had to face the fact that we must find the spiritual basis of life or else. And all AA is a design for living that works. And it's for people whose design for living didn't work. We don't ask the new person when they come in, what's your design for living? I want to try it. No. <laughs> what we tell them is, we don't care what your design for living is. That's fine, but if it's not working, we don't, we don't give them orders. We say, if it's not working, please try this. Please try this. And then A8 says, try this. That's what they say in this book, and let us know what happens. And we heard today from Stu what happens. And it says, we, or else, perhaps it's going to be that way with you. But cheer up, sifting like half of us thought we were atheists or agnostic. I still think it's 100%. Our experience shows that we need, you need not be disconcerted. So you can ask yourself, are you facing the fact today? Are you facing the fact that you have to have a spiritual life? Are you, are you working in steps 80 or pages 84 to 88 where you're trying to live in the world of the spirit and stay there with God? Have you got the page 84? Have you worked steps four through nine? And are you working six and seven constantly so you can be rid of the bondage of self? And it says, if a mere code of morals, so if you could read a good book or a better philosophy of life, so you're going to go to school and you're going to get a code of morals, which means I'm not going to do this anymore. Anybody say that? I'm not going to go to work and be an asshole. Yeah. I'm not going to get upset by the stupid people I have to work with. Anybody else say that? I was pretty sick when I came in. You, they, now, who was the asshole? You see, sorry to use the language, it was me. And they had to put up with me. And uh, I, I'm embarrassed by that, because I could see it now. But I, working the steps, I got better. I, I worked a long time with these people. They seemed, seemed to be OK with my, 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 my craziness. If a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered long ago. The problem with the moral morals code and my better philosophically is it's mine. I'm, I'm writing the code of morals. I'm writing the better philosophy. I'm making the decision. That'll never work. 
It has to be God's code, God's philosophy. And it says, we have found that such codes and philosophies did not save us no matter how hard we try. Did anybody try not to drink? Did anybody try to be nicer? Did anybody try to get along? But we, we could wish to be moral. And I wrote ethically, humanly, I can't even read my mind anymore, the book's the thing. We could wish to be philosophically comforted. I looked it up. Ethically, humanly comforted. In fact, we could will all these things with all our might, but the needed power was there. I tried so hard. I did, I tried so hard, and, I, and, and the only reason it didn't work, anybody know why? Because I was the manager. I needed to be fired. Now, I didn't fire myself until I was completely surrendered by the disease. And then I said, I need to fire myself. I can't do this. Anybody say, I can't do this anymore? I just can't do it. And that's the beginning of recovery, when I realized I couldn't do it. I needed a new manager. And isn't that a relief that there is a manager? It says, our human resources, and I wrote, my human resources is marshaled by my will, were not sufficient. They failed utterly. Why? Because when we're living separated from God, we have uh, emotional natures, right? And they build up to the point, and we have no power over alcohol because our mind tells us that, hey, get a drink, it'll relieve your emotional pressures. So we go to the liquor store, and we, we ask for liquor, and we say, I'm, I'm, I'm a spiritually ill, and I'm separated from God, and I have resentment and fear, and shame and guilt, I can't get rid of all of this. Give me a drink. Give me a bottle. Did anybody do that? No. But that's what happens when you go to the liquor. And you feel better when they're handing you the bottle. Did anybody do that? Or if you're on your way, you're already feeling better because you know the relief's coming. You see how powerful alcohol is? Because it's in our mind. We need to treat our mind. So I'm just going to read a few, two more lines, maybe three. Lack of power, that was our dilemma. So here's the problem. We have lack of power, but it's a dilemma because we have two choices equally undesirable. We don't want to drink anymore, but we're not sure we want to lead a spiritual life. That means I won't be running the show. We had to find a power by which we could live. This is a key line. The power that I had when I was living was me. I need a new power. So I have to plug me into a new socket. I can't plug me and my personality into Michael's socket anymore. It has to be in God's socket. And I had to find a power greater than ourselves and in honor of our birthday boy, Stu. You want to read that word? Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. If it's not obvious, you're screwed. <laughs> you're still in a hopeless condition of mind and body. Something has to happen to us. The grace of God, that it makes it obvious that we can't live and I need a power. See, the first step leads right into the second step, you see? If you've taken the first step, the second step is just right there. You're going to believe it. And how are you going to believe it? You hear Stu, you hear Cliff, you hear other people talk and tell you where they were. That's where birthdays are supposed to be important. I don't want to hear much from the 30, 60, 90 day people. I want to hear from the people who have 
done this for years and how they've had a spiritual change. I'm not saying that the 30, 60, 90 days aren't important. They are. It's a miracle. But they may not have a grasp of the spiritual change yet. But if they have, talk away. But it's supposed to show us, and especially a new person, can see somebody with 30 days and they have a day, that means a big deal. So they're all important in different ways. And that's where I think birthdays should be helpful. They can show somebody that there is a power. They can live differently. It has to be a power, obviously, but where and how are we to find this power? Now, this is a good question. Isn't that a good question? Now, nobody's ever asked me where and how do I find this power? Well, that's what the book is about. If you're a hopeless alcoholic and you have no power to live and you need to find the power, okay, let's go to 45 and do everything to 88. Everybody take your book and hold 45 to 88. Now asking some, it's not very many pages, is it? Look, anybody pick it up? Can anybody pick their book up with this? All right, I've asked people to do this. You think they're climbing Mount Everest three times. You get it? It's, it's, it's not that much. It's not that much directions, and it's not that hard. And so if you want a power to solve your problem, that's what the book's all about. And this means we have written a book which we believe to be spiritual as well as moral. And it means, of course, that we're going to talk about God. So here's where we're going to start the God book. I thought that was pretty good two pages. I go through them a million times, but today I got even more out of it. All right, we're going to open up. We had a special birthday for those listening to the podcast. We're going to let everybody talk and congratulate him. Thank you.